0: a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment
1: with what matters most. Well, hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning show. My name is Jeff Bernier and I am your host and guide today as I am monthly on this monthly discussion around money and meaning. So this show is really all about trying to help you create the clarity and confidence to go pursue your vision of a meaningful life. And we do that by having conversations around wealth management and what are the tools and strategies and techniques and ideas that can help you create the capacity to go do what you're called to do. We'll also have guests on occasionally that'll help us talk about deeper heart matters around meaning and purpose and what brings you joy. And and it's just a lot of fun to to get to be your partner and guide in this in this endeavor. You know, today I have a a, a little bit of a show that'll be a little bit of inside baseball. Um cuz we'll talk a little bit about the wealth management industry a bit today and I'm hopeful you'll find it useful as you evaluate firms or partners that you may choose to work with, but uh but also my guest I'm I'm really lucky to have because he's got a lot of experience in a lot of different areas and I think a lot of it will be useful to all of us. So uh, please, my guest today is a friend, Matt Reiner, who is uh, both a CFA charter holder and a CFP professional. Uh, he's a partner at Capital Investment Advisors. Uh, Matt is also the managing partner at Wella Strategies, another uh, registered investment advisory firm uh, that deals with the investment needs of the of the mass affluent. Uh, he's really, really a talented interesting guy. Uh, not only has he been active as an advisor, he's also started uh, a couple of uh, technology companies. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I met Matt back in 2020 uh, when I was evaluating one of his one of his new endeavors that we may talk a little bit about later in the show. Uh, most recently, he's been coaching and helping other wealth management firms and other advisors, uh, structure their businesses to serve clients better so again uh, Matt really really happy to have you here he's also the author of two books uh, host a podcast bridging the gap and he is a prolific writer so please join me in welcoming my friend Matt Reiner thanks Matt
2: Jeff thanks for that uh, very too much of an of a intro I thought it makes me sound like I've done a lot more than I really have but I uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation. So I I love what you're doing with Money and Meaning, and uh, hopefully we can have a good conversation.
1: Yeah, well, I I know we can. And, you know, of course, I left out the most important part, and that's um, you're a graduate of the University of Georgia, I'm pretty sure. So that is a
2: it is an odd thing. You see a lot of Georgia stuff behind me. I talk about Georgia, but I I actually didn't get into early admission. So I am still an, an avid Georgia fan. Uh, but I, for college, I took a four-year vacation. I went to Arizona State University <laughs> okay. um, to play yeah. a lot of golf and uh, and and enjoy a different lifestyle before heading home for for the professional life. So, uh, but I, I, used to wake up at nine o'clock for the noon games out there and everybody thought I was crazy until they kind of experienced it themselves when I brought them back to Athens. So,
1: Hey, uh, hey well, we, 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 you know, we always, we love dogs wherever they are. And wherever yeah, they are. exactly. You know, of course I've been to, I go to Scottsdale occasionally, uh, or the, or the greater Phoenix area. And I love it. So I can certainly understand the attraction, uh, to, to the, to the desert. Well, let's let's keep on with that. Tell, you know, I like the audience to get to know uh, my guest a little bit. So do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and your family and and uh, just briefly about your sort of your career journey?
2: Yeah, I'll start with my family. I mean, that's that's kind of the the core of, of who I am. And uh, you know, you talk about meaning. That's that's the purpose behind what we do. I've got I'm fortunate to have a, a wife of nine years here, uh, going on our ninth year, and um, we have two kids: a four year old son and a two year old daughter. And uh, you know, I, it's it's a uh, it's a busy household. Um, I, I live close to my brother, who's also my business partner, and um, he's got two kids and my wife's family's large. And so we're very fortunate to have a lot of family. My wife and I are both natives of Atlanta, so our family's still here. And, um, you know, that's kind of the core of who we are and, and our kids are, are are growing quickly and keeping us busy on the professional side. I think it all really starts to understand kind of where we are, where we, how we all started here at Capital. And it started, it was founded by my dad 27 years ago. Uh, my brother joined, my brother's uh, a bit older than me joined and and them two really helped to build the business. And then, you know, I joined after graduating from Arizona State. And, um, you know, it was an awesome opportunity to join a family business. But it also, you know, there's a lot of imposter syndrome and uh, looking at myself of what value I had, you know, dad and, and Mitch had built a really solid foundation. I was employee, I think, eight or nine. And I didn't know what my role was. I I had always envisioned running a venture capital fund or hedge fund or running the investment. So I got my CFA charter. I got my CFP um, early on, started running the investment committee, building up my book of business. Um, But about five years into the starting the business, we decided to start a technology business inside of our wealth management firm. And and i decided to take the helm of that and that kind of was like the transition point of figuring out what my value was where i fit in the organization you know the innovation the product management the technology aspect the the honing of what i knew about the industry and and merging that with what was going on in the technology world was um you know it it was my passion of learning and 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 and, and integrating and, and creating actionable insights that were useful um And we ran that for about eight years. And uh, that kind of gave me my purpose and my value. And um, I think, though, that it all kind of was we raised, you know, $7 million or so of of money and we sold to RIAs. We built two different types of technology companies and it was incredible. But the, the biggest lesson was actually more recently when we when we closed that business down and I failed. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of the best learning experience of, you know, where I was and where I am now and what we're doing now with our firm. And so I still am a managing partner at Capital. I stayed a managing partner throughout that journey. Still had clients. I love to stay close to the business. Um, but my mission has always been, how do we... I think that the power of the human financial advisor is... Um, extends well beyond any numerical data research that could ever come out. Um, The human advisor is so necessary to help people fulfill and reach their financial goals. I think it's the, the most important aspect of our financial journey is to have another human outside of our own selves in the headlines to help guide us. Uh, in that journey. And so, you know, my mission has always been, how do we help every family in the country have a human financial advisor? And wow. I've done that. I've helped with tech, you know, our firm, we're not going to be able to, although we have a desire to serve every single person in the country, you know, that's just not, it's not feasible. And so I have a passion of helping the community of advisors think differently, think innovatively, create more efficiency uh, so that they can serve more families. And if we can all do it together, I think that, you know, a lot of the challenges that we face as a country could could come to come to a head and ease up a little bit.
1: Wow, what a great, what a great vision. I was going to get to that later, but you went right into it. So that's really insightful. And I tell you what, there's a lot of self-awareness there. I mean, family businesses can be hard. Um, I mean, it's a great blessing uh to have an opportunity like you and your brother had uh, you know, joining your dad's firm, perhaps. And he's, you know, and he laid some of the groundwork early on. But it can also be very challenging, too, um, you know, because, you know, the world changes and, you know, and things that you are passionate about and maybe your brother's passionate about. And, uh, you know, I, I know you even you even wrote a pod, uh, blog post recently about the curse of knowledge. And when when I read that, I was kind of thinking about when I first read it, I was thinking about a podcast I just heard recently uh, from Morgan Housel. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with Morgan and he he wrote one that really talked a lot about how um sometimes people that have too much information or too much knowledge or too much expertise make worse decisions than than people who don't uh because yeah. we we know too much and we get in and mess around with it too much and when i was reading your article i thought about that but as you and and your brother uh you know g2 i guess in the in the in your practice you know, you come in and you try to do some new things. Oftentimes, you know, I experience with my, you know, with my with my younger associates and and you know, I have to I have to have sort of a beginner's mind because there's just the world is changing so fast. So anyway, congratulations <laughs> for your self awareness on trying to figure, okay, with my gifts and my passions, you know, how do I serve, you know, the firm and our clients and and obviously this tech platform helps yeah. you. Do. I think that
2: there's two points I, I would take on that. Um, and I think that the first was, you know, I think you talk about the family business and I, I want to touch on that because I think that a lot of clients out there listening, maybe working in a family business or may have kids that they're thinking about working in a family business. And I, I want to touch on that, but you know, the curse of knowledge concept is something that's super interesting where, you know, as leaders of organizations, you know, as you grow a business, you tend to stay true to what got you to where you are, but what got you to where you are isn't necessarily what gets you to where you're going to be. And there's a lesson in that, that both, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs can have, but also everyday individuals uh, that that are doing really good work and can take from that. And one of the core kind of foundational elements of the Christian knowledge is subconscious versus conscious. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, is that, the, you know, there, there's a lot of study around psychology and I'm really big into sports psychology as well. And like, what creates the greatest athletes? Why are they able to perform at such the highest level with so much pressure on them? And you think about the pressure that are on athletes and these people have, you know, coaches and, and everything of that nature to help analyze. But ultimately when they're in the the core of their, of their, their sport and when they're at their peak moments is when they're not thinking. And too often in our lives, we think about and overanalyze, which then paralyzes us and keeps us from being the best that we can be in anything that we do. And, and that's something that we can all learn from the curse of knowledge, both in our every day, is that, you know, let your subconscious go. That doesn't mean don't prepare. That doesn't mean don't think. It means that think and prepare, but create the same process and create and trust the process. Not Don't let your outcome dictate how you did. And, and go. Once you've prepared, then go. Don't think about it in the moment. Uh, and that's something that I think that as leaders and that, that you know, that we had that, you know, as, as, a, as a growing entrepreneur, you have to remember of saying, you know, if we overanalyze this and we hold tight to it and we don't just let our subconscious kind of lead the way and trust that we've built out the business and we built out the processes that new things can can blossom, um, even if they're done differently, because we built the infrastructure, then I need to let that happen. Right. Um, and and I think that that open mind is really important. And, and that kind of leads into that other part of the the family business is that, you know. Yeah, Dad did it a really great way. He gave us the opportunity and he kind of got out of the way. He was very open-minded. He, he, I, I think he lived by a lot of that standard that I just mentioned of, of saying, hey, I've built the infrastructure and I know that the infrastructure is strong enough to endure some of the challenges and some of the things that you're going to do. And I'm going to invest in you. He's invested in our technology business that we did. He invested in all of our businesses. He invested in us and gave us time and resources to, to go out. And a lot of the stuff that we did didn't work. A lot of the stuff that we did we tried so hard to prove ourselves, but he gave us that room to learn. He didn't tell us that it can't be done. He let us learn it through action. I think that that's super important. Um, you know, I think with family businesses, it, it, it's hard to separate and we still struggle with it. I mean, I personally do like of separating, you know, dad and son and and business partner and business partner. and. Yeah. And it can be a challenge because I think that our whole lives is wanting to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when in business, sometimes the things that you want don't align with where the business needs to go. And sometimes your peers and your business partner has to tell you it's wrong. And then when that business partner is your brother or your dad, it, it's hard because you want to be accepted by your family, most importantly, when that's at your core. And uh, you have to become able to overcome that. And uh, I struggled with that early on. A lot, and um, I, I say to those that do have family businesses, or run family businesses, or want to run family businesses, give space and give acceptance and give grace, um, and, uh, and and let 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 uh, let failure drive the learning as opposed to, to education and talent.
1: Yeah. Well, what's obvious? I mean, y- y'all have a really cool um, video on your website and it's pretty long for videos nowadays. I mean, you're an expert on this because you're putting out so much great content and, you know, four minutes nowadays is a long video. And it's like 12 minutes on your on your website, but what it, what it just speaks to and just oozes out is the culture. And so it sounds like what your dad did, he built a great culture. And, you know, Jim Collins, um, you know, the author of all the great business books, Good to Great and Built to Last and all that, he calls it hula you know you got good who's now in your dad's case some of the whos were you know had his own last had his own last name but mm-hmm. you it, but it looks like y'all were fortunate to you know get a good group together that even if you change tactics you've got people that care about each other and and that's so important uh, to the listener as you're evaluating firms um, any thoughts on how uh, an investor or someone seeking financial advice, how they might go about evaluating a firm's culture or, or whether that even matters. Um, you know, wh- any thoughts on that? Um, like for our audience that they said, okay, I need a wealth advisor and mm-hmm. they're trying to go out. Uh, I mean, does the culture even matter or, um, or is that something that we should even be talking about? Oh
2: culture matters more than anything it matters to the service you provide to the end client and it matters to the to the value you provide and the fulfillment you provide to your internal team i think that culture is everything um, and you know i think when it comes to evaluating companies you know you, you think about the services that we utilize every day it's all about the relationship that that we we have with that individual or that product, right? What does it mean to us and, and how does it make us feel? And you know I think that that's also one of the beauties of wealth management is that there is there is someone for everyone and there is not one for all. And it's because it's a, such a person, no business. It's a relationship business. Not every people get along with everybody, and um, and that's the beauty of it. And that's why advisors really need to be authentic and not be try to be someone that they think their clients want them to be, or the prospects want them to be, or what the industry saying that they should be. Just be you. And then for the client, if we can get more of that, then you can then be attracted to the person that resonates and, and, and fits more of who you are. Now, the culture of the business will, it will, it will ooze out of the team members in that business. And so, you know, it, from a client standpoint, I don't know if necessarily judging a firm by their culture is there. You will, you will feel their culture based on the interactions you have with their team and it will either feel right or it will feel wrong if it feels wrong to you, it doesn't mean it's not for everybody. It just means it's not right for you. Um, And, you know, like like our company, it's not right for everybody. But for those that just want to have a very, you know, a comfortable family-oriented approach, that's who we are. That is our culture. You see it in the way that we live internally every day and it oozes into who we are to our clients every day. And so what I encourage clients to do when you're looking for wealth management, especially because it's coming to money and money is the most stressful yeah uh, you know, and an almost uh, um, opaque thing in our lives. Like a lot of humans don't know how to deal with money. They don't understand it, and that's okay. We get guilty because of it. But when it comes to wealth management and finding someone, find someone that you can converse with, that you feel comfortable with, that you believe in, that you trust. and that all, there's nothing that you need to do differently than how you make friends or how you hang who you relate to. It, you know it's, it's some people call it the the beer test, right? Could you have a beer with that individual? Right. If you could, then that's great. Like if you feel that they like if there's something that doesn't feel right, then it's not right. But if the relationship feels right in your gut, then it's right. Again, this goes back to conscious and subconscious. Don't overthink it. Don't try to fit the shoe if it doesn't fit. Go find someone else. There's so many wealth managers out there and you're going to find someone that you can relate to. They don't have to be a big firm. They can be a small firm. They don't have to be one person. They can be 50 people. Like, it doesn't matter about that. It's a matter of the connection you have with the individual and the individuals you will work with in that organization.
1: Okay, terrific. I think that'll be helpful to our, to our listener to hear, to hear that because we do, you know, we go to these industry conferences and it's really easy uh, for, to play the comparison game. And you, you know all you really got to do is try to be the best version of yourself, not someone else. But it's really easy you know to get to get in these in these conferences and, and, and start and start doing that. Um, speaking of conferences, I was out in California two weeks ago uh, at an industry meeting, you're probably familiar with it called Future Proof. Uh, it was really fun and engaging and um, um, made a lot of met a lot of really cool people and learned some things. But the theme was really all around artificial intelligence and technology, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, a- AI applications taking over the world, and you know, are they going to take our job as advisors and in and, and those in and those kinds of things? And interestingly, you know, heck, you know, Matt, I met you because you had a platform that used—I don't know if you called it artificial intelligence—but it used it learned things in interacted with, and it was a, it was a platform to help advisors serve their clients better. Um, So what are your thoughts about uh, artificial intelligence and whether it's a threat to the advisor community or it's an opportunity for us to do uh, our work better? Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, a lot. I actually just came back from an AI conference in Toronto and um, you know, I think I think also for clients as well, I think that there's a lot of fear across the, the in, in that we're at this like inflection point with with AI, I think, you know, AI has been around for for a long period of time. You know, our product was built on AI. It was a different form of AI. This is like the, the most advanced form of AI that we've had. Um, but I think we're at this inflection point because for about 10 years, AI had been used. Um, But nobody knew about it because you had to have like special skills to be able to tap into that AI. What happened over the past kind of 12 months, especially with ChatGPT and a lot of what Microsoft has done, is that it's now it's made it simpler to use and made it more widespread of the use cases to be utilized in. So now anybody and everybody can use it. And then you throw in that the cost of it is free. So it's free, it's a, it's simple to use and it has applicability across the spectrum of use cases. It's not just for one thing or the other, which means that we're at this inflection point because now the you know the floodgates are open and the possibilities are endless of what it can be and what it can do and what it can mean for others. And I think that, you know, for for clients out there you know we think about the headlines of ai and it's very fearful like the first thing that comes to mind is like rtt rtd2 or or terminator and it's like they're going to take over <laughs> and you know how can we control the the ai what does it mean to my job and and we've gone through these transitions before in in our world and and it doesn't replace it doesn't replace people it 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 changes the skills that they utilize in the workforce and I, I think that that's really important the job that you do today may not be there but that doesn't mean that you don't have a job to do in that in that firm anymore it's just you're doing something different and and that may not be a necessarily a bad thing you know I, I think that there's this there's this chart that was shown in the in the presentation one of the presentations is um you know how the world would be without AI, and then what AI it would do. Is it you know how our performance would be without AI, and then how our performance is elevated with AI? Right, we're just moving the curve up because right. it, it's not it's not taking jobs away. That's never been as much as people will argue this or see headlines and like it's funny to read about it that that technology was developed to replace people. It's never been but that's never been the core of what technology has done. There's been some negative outcomes of it, but the core of what technology has always done is to make people better, do more for people, work with people to elevate what they do. And that's where I think AI is, is it's going to augment what we do, not replace what we do. And and AI is going to eliminate the things that we thought were valuable, but they're not really valuable to elevate us to do what truly is valuable in this day and age, which we just talked about. It's all based on the relationship. AI is not gonna take over the relationship. AI is going to empower people to have more relationships, empower them to have deeper relationships, empower them to engage with them in a different way. And I think that if we can embrace that, as crazy as it sounds right now, which I agree with, but we also thought it was crazy to think that Elon Musk could really travel a self-driving car from L.A. to New York when he wanted to do that back in 2011, 2012. We said he's out of his mind. Autonomous vehicle is not going to be there. Now Tesla's cars are there. Now self-driving is in almost every car to some extent, and people utilize it. And it's like just become commonplace. And so um, I, I think that with time, like everything else, uh, it will become commonplace. And I think that the power of it is is truly remarkable. Some of the things that are being done, uh, you know, just as an example from this conference that I saw it was super in- innovative and interesting was, you know, Kroger came out with this AI tool during the pandemic that allowed for you to take pictures of food that you had in your house, and then it would take, it would, it would, understand what all those pictures were and it would provide you a recipe using the quantities of what you have and what you have to uh-huh. make sure that you don't, to eliminate food waste. So that you're using all of the food resources that you have and you're not just throwing things away that could go bad very quickly. That is amazing and incredible type of stuff that, um, you know, it may not have applicability to wealth management, but has applicability to the, of showing what the power of AI can do.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it it really does in a way. I mean, there's plenty of tasks that a person you don't need a human being to do that can help us either serve more clients or serve clients deeper, and so we can spend more time doing you know what some people call you know human first planning or focusing more on wellness issues than mm-hmm. we do about has the portfolio been rebalanced because you know we can. You know, the, the, the computer can do all of those things and even know your preferences, uh, you know, in terms of your risk profile and, and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see where where it goes. So where do you think advisors can add the most value uh, if some of these more mundane uh, and, and not, and not in, you know, they're not all mundane, I guess, um, mm-hmm. but, but some of these other tasks can be done? What, what what do you think the advisor of the future will be? Where will they be adding value to their clients?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And it's a it's a kind of a a deep question, I think, you know, we have to remember how this industry has evolved right and if you go back to the early days like jp morgan and bear stearns etc right we were just stock brokers people called us because they didn't have access to buying and selling stocks and
1: bonds you're paying for transactions
2: yeah they're paying for transactions they're paying for access in reality they're paying for access right because they didn't have access and then schwab and fidel or schwab and vanguard came with the discount brokerage model and then you had some access to a bigger pool so the pie expanded to access and then you had E-Trade, and that kind of led with the online forum. So then your access and the ease, the, the, the ability to, to transact became easier. And then you had robo-advisors, which then expanded the access and pool. And, and now you have AI. And so, you know, we are not beings that like change, right? Evolutionary, we don't like change. That's why we stayed in the cave, because we didn't want to go to a new cave, because we didn't know what was around the corner. That's why we kept eating the same foods, because we didn't know what one meant. We don't like change, but our industry is filled with change constantly. And we are having a tough time right now today with the change that our value is evolving, that the value of who we were when, you know, when Jeff, when you started your firm or when my dad started his firm, the value that you provided to clients and the sales that the sales pitch you had is not the same sales pitch that we can have today. We're not, it's not, it's not sales and selling investment first. That's what it used to be or RIA first I'm independent and in fees because that has now been commoditized. Right. So where our value is, is moving more into life coaching and wealth coaching. And we've been doing it for years, keeping you know the conversations that you have had with clients, that we've had with clients, about keeping them from selling out of their IRA early or you know, spending too much money or selling out when the market's going haywire, we're using psychology to help our clients overcome and stay on the path we have to double down on that aspect of the psychology aspect right. and and let let the the innovations that have happened on the investment side and the reality of the situation on that side be lay and just be there And I think that where advisors can double down is how do we move up this fulfillment pyramid to provide our clients more fulfillment? Investment management is low on the pyramid, but it was all that we could provide because the access wasn't there. Now it is. Now we have an opportunity because money is at the center of the core of everything that they do, but investments is only a piece of it. It's all about fulfillment and happiness. And how do you help clients reach the legacy and the dreams that they have and as how Hirschfield talks about his future self, your future self book. He talks about, you know, what do you do in your future, your present self and how does it impact your future self? And one of the areas is all about experiences, go and create experiences. How can we help our clients understand the experiences that they want, that they desire, that, that give them meaning and purpose in their life. And how do we help them go and do that earlier in their life? Whether, you know, how do we make it work? Because those create dividends that are truly um, not, uh, commoditized which are experiential dividends that have an impact on life much like dividends in stocks that we have and the longer we have them the better our stocks perform and the better more value we get out of them how do we create more experiential dividends how do we help them understand the legacy they want how do we help them get their kids more involved how do we help them uh understand what their why is what is their purpose that is like touchy-feely for an industry that's analytical, and we're in this like very change-oriented phase, a transition of that sort, that's that's difficult and different, and and it's a challenge. And I know that there's a lot of, but but I'll tell you, clients, and I and I'd be curious to the listeners that are listening to this of their feelings as well. You know, what does money mean to you? What does happiness mean? What does fulfillment mean? And, and they should be taking that to their advisor and saying, this is what it means to me. And how do I get there? It's not the performance up and down day to day, but it's a, how do you help me get to that and help ensure that I reach that, that true fulfillment of life?
1: Well, that's, that's, those are great insights. And obviously, you're, you, you know, you're swinging, singing for my, you know, for my hymn book, because that's really what I've been tra- trying to focus on with this show and in my book that I, that I wrote last year around money and meaning and trying to figure out you know, what matters? Um, you know, oftentimes we get, you know, we, we get the cart before the horse in, in building a sophisticated wealth management plan without trying to just kind of figure out what's it all for. I mean, what matters? Um, and you, and you stated that very eloquently when you uh, started speaking today about what, you know, what you're passionate about. And um, so one or two last quick questions, you know, you talked about uh, innovation and creativity and and maybe it's even some of um you know some of this financial wellness mindset around uh contentment and joy and um but um if you're thinking about the space to be creative you know we're so darn busy I mean we've got everybody's busy I don't I mean everybody I know is busy uh which is um kind of paradoxical because we've got all these technologies now. We can, you know, we can order from our phone. We can transfer money from our phone. You know, um, there's an AI we've all been using called Waze or Google Maps that tells us where to go. So we're super efficient, but we seem busier. And so um it's hard to be creative when you're, when you're busy. Do you, and, and to be, and, and when I say creative and innovative, I mean, this could be you know, this could be my client who's in act two of their life and they're trying to figure out how to be a better influencer to their children or grandchildren or how to influence their church or how to do a great job on the board they're sitting on. So we all have a need to be creative and to be innovative and um, to, to not be worn out so mm-hmm. so we can apply our best selves to these endeavors. Any thoughts on how? we can nurture innovation and creativity?
2: Yeah, a a lot. A lot. I mean, that's like right up my alley of desires and passions is, I mean, you know, I think that um, we live in a world that demands, you know, that's one of the cons of this innovation and technology that's evolved, right, is that, you know, we have this. Uh, immediate access of information and connection and so we we have this immediacy expectation of others right i have to get this i have to do that i had and and you know when you when you started jeff and when dad started like that wasn't there dad had to call schwab to figure out what the markets did and how the people's portfolios did and people didn't have email to send to them. Like it was a phone call. And right. you know, it was it, when you left the office, you left the office and you could think it was a different world. And so there's a, there's always a con to every pro that's there. And I I, I believe that um, it, it comes with a, everybody can be creative, creative creativity and innovation is a mindset. It's not technology, it's not building an Instagram or the next Google or anything of that nature. It, it can evolve technology, but it's a mindset, it's process and technology. And creativity is in all of us. It's a matter of how we think um, and how we, how we prioritize our time. Uh, I, I tell people that you know, we, we've run into this conundrum in this world where it's a problem solution. We're trained because of the speed of how we move that when you identify a problem, create a solution and go. And you're missing a big part of creativity, which is brainstorming and, and getting diversity of ideas and building on ideas to create an idea that can't be thought of by just one single mind. Uh, but yet we're forced in our professional life and in our educational life that you gotta get an answer and move on or you're not gonna finish the test and you're gonna fail. And I don't wanna fail because that's a big X, like failure's bad. And so how I've always thought about it is that you've got to be purposeful with your with your time and you've got to have thinking time and you've got to get comfortable. I believe that whether you're a professional or you're retired or whatever it may be, becoming bored is super helpful. Yeah. And looking outside of the world that you know to see what's out there just to be and have this kind of constant level of curiosity is extremely important. I went to an AI conference that had nothing to do with wealth management. I learned about ai toys and i learned about ai and healthcare i learned about you know all these other things but i was able to then see trends and connect dots back and it brings something innovatively into the way that we look and view and serve our clients and in order to be innovative and creative you have to be purposeful with your time and you have to have a you have to have a, a focus on curiosity constantly be curious looking at ways of thinking don't ever say just because of something being done differently it, than how you've known it for so long that it's not good dive into why it's done that way. Why are people using it? What's the impact? What does it mean? And, uh, and don't ever get stuck in this way of, um, you know, just because it's different or new or hard to understand that it's, uh, that's not worthwhile because uh, then we really, we really kind of dive into status quo and that's not a place to be in my mind.
1: Yeah. That there's a more, there's a lot there, you know um, you, you know, the, when you were, when you were, first of all, talking about, you know, problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution, speed, you know, so we, we give up quality oftentimes when we go for speed and it, it, it sort of, I sort of think about, you know, and system one and system two, we just go right to the reaction without taking a gap um, to go deeper. Um, so um, I think, I think you said you had to be, what do you say with your time? You've got to be, you to be purposeful with your time purposeful with your time and create space you know create space uh, of what looks like boredom and doing nothing but oftentimes that's when that's when the that's when the insights come um we've built a society that 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 shames boredom
2: that shames doing nothing if you think about it like in your professional life if you're a cli- if one of your clients was in their office looking out the wall with their feet up on the desk doing nothing computer off the, their boss would walk in and be like what the heck are you doing <laughs> but but there was an awesome quote about henry ford where some where a consultant comes in and saw that um the, the one of their employees had their feet on the desk looking at the wall and the, and the consultant told ford uh, you have to fire that person. He's like, no, I'm not firing that person because that person helped us to create the, I forget exactly what it was, but the assembly line that's there. Yeah. And it's because we we have this perception that we have to be doing, hmm. but doing is not as powerful as thinking. And I think that uh, the the world has got to this point where we judge people based on what they do, not what they think. and right. And that's a challenge.
1: Yeah. Well, that's transferable to all of us, regardless of where where we are in life. Well, Matt, this has been fantastic. We could we could do this for a long time. I would enjoy it. I'm I'm uh, and and I'm you know I'm just really want to congratulate you for your, first of all your courage. I mean you you're trying stuff and and trying to create value for the world. And you know some of it the marketplace is saying, well, that's not exactly what we need today or want today. Uh, but you're out there, dude. So thanks for thanks for your contribution, both obviously to your clients and all that you're doing in your wealth management practice, but also for the industry. Uh, I mean, I can just hear your excitement um, in helping other firms like mine and others be better uh, so we can so we can also serve our clients and, and, and create better uh, better outcomes our cl- for, our, for our clients. And that could be, you know, just living better and enjoying the journey. Um, so thanks again, Matt. This has been really fantastic. Uh, so if people want to learn more about you and what you got going on, how can they find Matt Reiner?
2: Yeah, well, first off, Jeff, thanks for those words. I really appreciate it. It means, uh, it means a lot. So thank you. And um the uh, you know you can find more information about myself over at mattreiner.com. There's a we have a, a weekly newsletter where I try to provide frameworks and insights um, around all this stuff. It's more to, applicable to wealth management professionals, but I think that clients can find something from it and maybe get inspired by it as well. Um, and then you can learn more about our firm over at yourwealth.com, y-o-u-r-w-e-a-l-t-h.com. And if you want to hear some some fun, engaging conversations that I have with others about marketing, about growth, about psychology, about technology. Uh, go, go subscribe to the Bridging the Gap Podcast on all the podcast platforms out there.
1: Beautiful. Well, that was, that was great, Matt. Thanks so much again for joining. And, and I hope uh, you guys all heard something that was useful to you. I know I did. Uh, so please leave comments and reviews on the shows at iTunes or Spotify or wherever you, wherever you stream your podcast. You can also reach me at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. Um, and obviously, you know, you can check out my book, The Money and Meaning Journey at either jeffburnierauthor.com or at all the major online retailers. So thanks again for joining us today. Hope you Hope you enjoyed it. So find what makes your heart come alive and go put the plans in place to pursue it. Thanks and have an awesome day.
0: Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at at tandemgrowth.com or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the president and chief investment officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.